in an effort to support the talented and creative individuals in our community. We give you the Carpe GM interview series. Discussions about gaming and geek pop culture with those who help to create it. Joining us today, Eric Carl. Prepare to be inspired. Hello, Internet. It's me again. It's been a while since we've done one of these, but I wanted to be sure to get this one out. Uh, I had the opportunity to sit down with a longtime friend and host and moderator of our sister show, Metagamers Anonymous, uh, Eric Carl. Eric has been doing great work in Wichita with uh, his gaming community, and he's really been, you know, boots on the ground, energizing that community. And the latest project for the Prismatic Tsunami crew is TsunamiCon. And um, it's on Kickstarter now. I wanted to be sure to give every bit of support that I could to him on this uh, endeavor. However, Eric and I have been uh, talking for quite some time, and we were, we were pretty fast friends at the beginning of both of our respective projects. So we got to talk about a topic that we haven't really put on the mics anywhere due to our respective shows not supporting the conversation, really. Uh, we talked about uh, TsunamiCon, obviously, and then we talked about gaming with children. Be sure to check it out. Uh, second half of the show is pretty fun. Without further ado, we'll move on, and here's my conversation with Eric Carl. Hello there. Welcome to the Carpe GM Gamecast interview series. Today I'm joined by Eric Carl, one of our sister podcasters. That doesn't even make sense. It makes you sound like you're the sister. <laughs> sister, sister podcasters. Sorry. Huh? Uh, uh, one of the sister shows on, the po- car- on our uh, podcast network. Uh, Eric, uh, say hi to everybody and make sure they know you're not a female. I am not female. This uh, particular vocal range is inspired by decidedly male hormones and um, really bad things I've done to my throat over the years. I think uh, I think I'm okay with that, though. All right. Leave the obvious jokes at bay. We'll uh, move on into what we're talking about today. <laughs> Okay, Eric, you've been a podcaster for quite some time. Years and years of radio in front of that. But and actually, the, an early abortive podcast even long ago when podcasting first became a thing. I, I actually heard a little skit episode of that. It was pretty hilarious. Yeah, that's about the only episode that survives to this day, <laughs> which is fine. <laughs> so audio editing and production aside, why don't you tell everybody what's stamped on the back of your geek card? Okay, well... Uh, I have been a uh, geek and gamer since the dawn of time, or as I like to call it, the mid-70s, when I was born. My uh, parents were already fantasy and uh, sci-fi enthusiasts, so I grew up in an environment where that was part of my uh, everyday curriculum in some fashion. Found D&D when I was eight years old, and that was in like 1983, and uh, kind of became a junkie um, in 1980. Four or three and a half. <laughs> I think I, I I I think that I can safely say that it has become the defining entertainment in my life. Um, I've uh, been heavily steeped in role playing game lore and media since that. Well, not 
obviously not since I was eight years old, but shortly thereafter. And uh, it's uh, been a big thing for me. Other than that, I have expanded that hobby into becoming a uh, community organizer. Uh, I put together events. I run a website with a forum that I've been running since 2003 with varying degrees of involvement. I um, the, the Prismatic Tsunami web community. I started a podcast a couple years ago uh, around about the same time you did, which was how we uh, touched base and just happened to uh, connect right in the infancy of both shows. Absolutely. Cool. You're the you're the best friend I've never met. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Metagamers Anonymous has definitely been a trip. We've met a lot of people that way and have listeners all over the world, which is pretty awesome. On the, my last episode, I finally got to read a letter from somebody in Finland. Wow. Who we've been talking about listenership numbers from Finland for a while, so that was pretty cool. That's pretty neat. And uh, uh, this this year we're planning a convention. So I mean, as far as the gaming goes, that's that's kind of my my cred, I think, in terms of uh, my involvement in the community. And and we plan like local game day events and stuff here in my home city of Wichita. We, yeah, I was going to say, don't sell yourself short. You you've created a quarterly game day event that has been growing steadily since you started we, it. We have a pretty good, uh, a pretty good following. I we have another one coming up here in just a couple of weeks, actually, from this recording, and uh, but before our uh, <clears throat> convention Kickstarter's over, and uh, <laughs> what? Wait, wait, what was that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe we can talk about that too while we're here. Yeah. Today. Hold. Uh, yeah. So, so other than that, I'm you know I'm a I'm a writer, I'm a blogger, I'm a musician, I'm a. Okay, so apart from being radio personality, blogger, musician, community organizer, GM, lifetime geek, playwright, trapeze artist. There are a couple of things <laughs> that are pertinent to the conversations we're going to have today. Okay. Uh, one is you are now a fledgling convention organizer. That's I, I like that word, fledgling. It feels about <laughs> appropriate right now. And the other is you're a father of two. I am. Okay. So... A little bit later on, we're going to talk about gaming with kids. For those of you who want to stick around for that, it's, I'm sure it'll be fun. And Riveting. <laughs> and, uh, we but, have got the dope on this. Absolutely. <laughs> but for now, let's talk about this convention you're creating. TsunamiCon 2014, happening November 7th, 8th, 9th, Hotel at Old Town in Wichita, Kansas. And we are a grassroots convention, which is a fancy way of saying we got no money. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're uh, raising it on Kickstarter right now. I think I'm a grassroots person. Yeah. <laughs> that's, so, uh, that's, that's what that means. All right. Man, I have, you know, I, I've, I've experimented a lot with fundraising over the last couple of years. Right. <laughs> and uh, nothing on the scale that, uh, you know, trying to put together thousands of bucks to launch a convention. Good this Lord. has been an education. I'm sure. Uh, everything that I've messed with over the past couple of years has been an education. Um, yes, and you've managed to help educate me on a few of those things. <laughs> All right. Professor Grassroots. <laughs> uh, I, I don't... It, it's been a long journey. Uh, well... I, I I think it's interesting to note that the reason we you know had such so much to talk about in the first place is because uh, neither one of us knew what the hell to talk about. <laughs> yeah, well, when we launched our podcasts, you know, we were, and 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 websites and stuff, we were still still dealing with all these kinds of figuring shit out as you go. Yeah, uh, if you forgive my language, du duct tape and bubble gum. Yeah, it's it's been fun. I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been it's been a blast. 
So uh, this convention you're creating, it's not just another um it's not just another game day at the game store. You're trying to create a premier gaming in- convention in Kansas City. No, not in uh, Wichita. You don't even know where the hell I am. So, sorry, man. In Kansas. <laughs> uh in in Wichita. So Talk about what you're trying to do here. I mean, I've seen the venue, not in person, but it looks great. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's a very nice hotel. We actually, and I've been uh, blogging about this a little bit on carpegium.net. Uh, it's a good site. You should check it out if you haven't already. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And uh, especially the bloggers. Um, uh, <laughs> but it, it's been kind of uh, a lot of, you know, I, I've planned events before. I have a little bit of history with that. That's not anything I'm new to. Right. I've never planned a gaming convention, uh, particularly not something that it, it, this is essentially a national convention. It's it's the difference between what I do regularly with our game days and something that is intended to serve a large audience and try to have a draw from several states. You know, right? The idea of putting together an event that people will really want to come out to and pay a little money to be here, and that's you know not something you can just kind of take for granted. We've uh, we, we we had to kind of start with figuring out what kind of finances it took to make this happen. And uh, one of those first questions, obviously, is the venue. And after shopping around a bit, we, we came across the hotel at Old Town, which is a, a locally owned hotel right in the middle of the, uh, the entertainment district here in town, which is a beautiful area with a lot of shopping and uh, restaurants and nightclubs and a um, uh, couple other hotels and it's really a uh, really a great place to have this sort of event because for one they've never done it before which is really kind of weird considering how nice the facility is right they do business conferences and weddings and stuff like that all the time but I saw the layout on the Kickstarter it's it's laid, yeah. it's beautiful it's perfect it's and it's t- I mean 10,000 square feet that we get to play with for the weekend and yeah. especially for a starting con I mean we're we're unlikely actually to use all of that we're going to no, do no, 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 no. you're going to use all of it I don't care if you <laughs> oh, I'm sorry the place is going to burst at the damn <laughs> there, scene there you go <laughs> now we're talking that's the attitude <laughs> I've been I've been running a Kickstarter for three weeks I I'm not necessarily feeling the uh, uber success vibe going on but at least at this point I'm pretty confident we'll cross the finish line yeah so. I think so too uh, you're not asking for a whole lot of money to get this oh, thing no. going that was actually part of the point I I got the idea by checking out other Kickstarters for gaming conventions. Sorry, my son is making a lot of noise in the next room. It's all right. Put to the next part of the... <laughs> uh, to the next part of the conversation. The, uh, the, the, uh, what was I, what was I talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Checking out other game Kickstarters. Oh. A lot of them were asking for quite a bit more money than I, than I am. And, I figure there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, some, some of them, of course, are in bigger communities where they can expect to have a bigger draw. Some and probably are, bigger prices. And some are more profit-oriented. Yeah. You know, uh, and yeah, and, and the prices of, of running the convention, the prices of the, the of the, the venue and catering and everything you have to do to make the con happen are probably higher in other cities. Actually, and I'm, I'm sure this is relatively true in your area too, but here in the, in, in, the heartland, the cost of living is getting high, but it's nowhere near as bad as it is. And right, you know, it probably Either is down coasts. in like, yeah, especially the coast, but even down in like uh, Texas or yeah. uh, Colorado or larger population areas where they have uh, 
you know, they, 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 I think, have a higher cost of living. I'm sure that the cost of putting on the convention is higher. So, I mean, there, there's that. And then I looked at it and went, okay, if I'm going to run a successful crowdfunding campaign, particularly for a community that, in my opinion, is not necessarily known for pushing out the bucks ahead of time right. for stuff. And, uh, you know, you have to get past that whole, we don't understand this Kickstarter thing. Right. You know, problem because you're talking not, you're not running a Kickstarter campaign for the um, global community so much. Although we have gotten a lot of backers from outside the market, which is, is really lovely. And That's a lot awesome. of those, a lot of those are people that will never make it to the con. They're just showing their support, their listeners, their friends, you know, that happens. But also, uh, you know, you're, you're trying to break into that local market. And I just decided I'm not here to make money. And right. I, that's, of course, a hurdle you got to get over in your head. But if you've never done something like this, I don't think you launch it out of the gate thinking, boy, I'm going to make a mint. Most people that run conventions lose money the first couple of years. Yeah. I, so I mean, I can see how to. it could be a money pit for sure. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you want to get this guy in. You want to get the appearance by this guy. You want to have this type of game. You want to have this type of uh, amenities. Um, even even events like uh, Fear the Con there in St. Louis that yeah. Fear the Boot runs they uh according to you know what they've said on the podcast and everything and i believe that they run uh they run in the red every year they never break even and they're a, they're a little smaller convention in that regard they you know um maybe get 100 150 people i don't know i don't even think that much and uh, you've been there before haven't you yeah i mean they've they've had up to i think uh i i don't know I, maximum but i know the last year i went there was about 300 people there oh was it pretty okay so still pretty good draw uh they don't talk like it's usually that big they but they do a lot of extra stuff like they they add beer to the price admission and they they have a wing night and they bring in some entertainment and and they're very focused on just the gaming i I think maybe have one dealer (laughs) yeah if that it's just kind of it's it's a cool little very focused hyper-focused convention that caters to their community and they never break even and that is a little dispiriting at some level, um, particularly because I don't necessarily think it's necessary. And they've had to crank their ticket prices up over the last few years. You know, of course, you get a lot for that. You get three days of gaming. You get the wing night. You get the free beer. Right. You know, I mean, and free beer itself probably saves people a ton of money. But uh, for a fifty dollar ticket, you know, fifty five dollar, whatever they're charging nowadays, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, you get a good time out of it, and I don't think that's unreasonable. A lot of conventions in uh, in other cities end up having to charge fifty bucks a pop for a weekend. And so, what about yours? How we're thirty thirty five right now. Thirty five, and uh, what days is it going to be? Uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, November seventh through ninth. So three days, thirty five bucks. It's you know, yeah, it's pretty good. I think I think you you get a a lot for that. How can you spend a little under twelve dollars a day? <laughs> Uh, and, and get this much entertainment. Get that value. much entertainment. They're just it just doesn't happen. Well, and, and I think a lot of the big draw with conventions has got to be the sense of community. Absolutely. You know, ne- networking with the uh, of the local gamers, meeting people from in town that you didn't know or didn't know gamed. Um, there's a large, for some reason, which a large board gamer community that just surprised the hell out of me. I think uh, you know because they show up to game days, so we've gotten to know a lot of them. And uh, I think that they're going to be a big, uh, a big bump of support for this particular event. We're also going to expand it since, like I said, we're doing more of kind of a national convention. We're expanding it to uh, incorporate all types of tabletop gaming. Yeah. 
you know, uh, board games, card games, role playing games, uh, miniature gaming. Um, we're going to have some LARPs going on. Some there's a, a yeah. I was going to say it's not even just about the community at this point. Uh, you're actually trying to develop a spectacle as well. You're trying Absolutely. to get some get some faces in there. Um, you look on the stretch goals. You can see uh, Mikey Mason, uh, yeah, geek comedian extraordinaire. I definitely want to hit that stretch goal. <laughs> if we don't make it a dollar past that, I'll be disappointed. But yeah. okay, I'm satisfied. <laughs> with that. Cosplay competition. Mm-hmm. Um, Cosplay contest, and we're doing that either way. It's not a stretch goal, but if we can hit one of our early stretch goals, is a lot more money for the prizes for nice. that. Yeah, so, so right. this isn't just you show up in a room and you you sit sit at tables with a horde of basement dwelling gamers. You're actually trying to build a thing out of this, a destination, a place to go. Uh, and I we we discussed before about how a couple of years ago we started on the same foot. Uh, mm-hmm. I personally have kind of fallen behind. I've fallen out of step, but you're hitting goals that I want to hit in the future. And well, so I, I wholeheartedly support every bit of what you're doing here. I, I, I think that there's um, a lot of people that are in, as invested in the hobby as you and I are that have similar aspirations. And a lot of times it's it's not knowing where to start or having so much else going on in your life that it's just not really something you can feasibly find a way to fit in. I've been fortunate in that I've had so much support from, you know, from my wife, who, of course, is part of the podcast and right. um, heavily involved in helping run our community and uh, friends that we've met in the local community that have become part of our core uh, group of, uh, I, I, I can't even say investors, you know, they're, they're business partners. But there's, uh, like I said, we're as grassroots as it gets. So, <laughs> you know, not a lot of money to work with. But we've always managed to work, make it work because the community eventually turns out. Even if we have a hard time getting them to put the money down ahead of time, you know, I'll try to sell, uh, like, like we do our game days. They're free events. Right. We, we provide this kind of foundation, this, this venue for people to come out and play games all day. We tie it together with a live podcast and surprises and stuff. We don't charge a thing to be there, but I sell badges. Why don't you give a, a bump to money. your game day, the uh, venue? The, the, yeah, the, the borough in East Wichita. It's, a little, it's, it's actually a little uh, gift shop. It's, it's uh, focused on geek-oriented gifts. I've never been to another place quite like it. Right. Which is the same thing you hear out of the mouth of pretty much everybody that walks into the place. <laughs> it's one of those places where you start blinking and going, wow. You know. Yeah. Uh, and they do carry quite a bit of gaming stuff. And they have a bunch of extra rooms, kind of this uh, warren of rooms that we use for gaming, which is pretty cool. And we do a we do an all-day thing there. And he gives, uh, Derek, the guy that runs the place, he gives great deals on games, uh, you know, sales and stuff while we're there. And Awesome. And he has this kind of, he has a room that's big enough that we use it for, you know, kind of a, a theater seating and do a podcast in the evening and, you know, do giveaways and stuff there. Sounds like fun. So if you're in the Wichita area, make sure you hit the borough. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a wonderful store. At the very least, it'll, it, it's, it's an experience. Right. And, but anyway, all I was saying is that, you know, we will, we'll sell those badges. I can't, I can't even, I can get online and try to offer them a discount or offer special badges or something ahead of time, a couple weeks ahead of time. I'll get maybe three or four takers. Right. Uh, we go to day of show, sell them for five bucks a piece on the spot and, you know, sell, you know, make a hundred bucks. Nice. So, I mean, and it's usually not profit, of course. We have a lot of expenses that um, otherwise come out of pocket. Right. But, um, you know, 
That's something we're trying to avoid a little bit with Kickstarter. So keeping the money down was important to me. Right. You know, it's not about making a profit. It's about providing an event and being part of it. And if people are wondering, you know, you know, that doesn't sound as altruistic as all that. I mean, the excitement for me is not only being part of the event, but being being an organizer, being somebody that is making this stuff happen. I mean, it's good for my ego. It's good right. for uh, it, it's good for my uh, sense the sense of community. What I enjoy out of this, and the opportunity to network with so many other people and gamers, and and some of the big sponsors we picked up are people that you know. I'm really excited to get a chance to talk about with the gaming community as a whole is just plain awesome. Absolutely. Um, I can't imagine that inside other niche industries that it's this gregarious. Sorry. Yeah. And, and yeah, I think you, uh, some of that comes from the stems from the fact that the core of the hobby is games, right? That's a good. You point. know, a, a, a fun, immersive activity that we all like to, um, we all like to dive kind of headfirst into. We're all in it for the same reason. How, how snobby can you really be when you're playing make believe for a living? Exactly. <laughs> and and yeah, and more to the point, you know, there's. I mean, I'm sure there's. You know, everybody has their kind of own attitude about what it means to them and everything. But we all effectively start from the same place. It's just a matter of how we decide to invest ourselves and where we decide to go with it. Right. Where you spend your energy. I don't think I expected such an easygoing group to be out there, even in the upper, uh, the uh, upper echelons, the, uh, you know, hobby royalty, if you will, right. who are as geeky as the rest of us. You, you end up with people that are pretty down to earth and easy to talk to. And, um, you know, you know how it is as, as a podcaster, it's, it's remarkably easy to get interviews if you put yourself out there and want to. And, yeah. It's not too tough. You know, these people, they love talking about their stuff and they love gaming and that's, that's what it's all about. So yeah, I'm pretty uh pretty excited to get a chance to meet some more of them in person, and ha- having them come to me is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> so so your uh, Kickstarter as of right now, uh, you're asking fifty three hundred dollars. Yep, you have that's received thirty three thousand eight hundred and sixteen dollars. Seventy two percent. Seventy two percent as of this recording. Now, um, it will be over. August 5th. August 5th at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. Central Daylight. Oh, Central, Central Daylight <laughs> Time. Sorry. Don't miss that hour. I actually, I was, I was dicking with that counter I was talking about on the website earlier. <laughs> so I had to figure that out. Um, um, how far off of Greenwich Mean we are. So whether I release this thing tomorrow or in two weeks, hurry up. Go to Kickstarter. Fund this thing. Put some money in this thing. It's a good cause. If you're a gamer anywhere, even if perhaps you can't make it to the convention, go throw five bucks. You'll get a thank you. Or if you throw 15, you'll get some commemorative dice. 15, you get some dice. 20 bucks for a (laughs) t-shirt. Go throw a few bucks in this thing because just on the principle that even if you can't make it to this convention, you support the existence of this convention, and maybe someday you'll want to start your own. Get yeah, the ball rolling. So, so I think that that's one of the things that's been most moving to me in starting this and running this is um, Tsunami Con represents this kind of effort to bring this level of event, this type of uh, community event to uh, Wichita, which is a large enough city with enough of a gamer foundation right. to deserve it and to really benefit from it. And we know that's where a lot of our support is coming from, but people, you know, in other parts of the country and other parts of the world who are familiar with 
you know, with conventions or who, who love the idea of expanding into a community who, who can see what we're doing and recognize the value in it have been turning up and, and, you know, giving us a few bucks here and there. And that's easily as touching to me as the people that buy our big VIG packages Absolutely. for 120 bucks that <laughs> get and everything a, in a between. To sit in the lounge with us, you know, and go to dinner. And everything in between. I'm living vicariously through your Kickstarter here. Um, so am I. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the th- what what I'm saying is, you know, just the idea that people are out there that are willing to throw money ahead. This isn't even a, sur- a sure thing. Seventy two percent, pretty damn sure it's going to happen. But with with three weeks to go, we're you, this is literally the halfway point. Yeah, you got plenty of time. I'm I'm going to go out on a limb and say you're going to make it here. Uh, so for me, I'm going to pitch get Mikey Mason out to this thing. Yeah, y- if yeah, you're going, you will not be sorry. He's throwing uh, a couple extra bucks. This guy's hilarious. I don't know if what you ever heard it? anything about for, him. We're looking for fifty three hundred. He his stretch goal is seventy two hundred. Seventy two hundred. And and what I've done here again, if you look at our stretch goals, fifty three hundred is the minimum money we need to just kind of put out the the basic convention that we want to throw right down. You know, and, and and what I mean by that is that again, I this isn't we didn't just rent a room and right. No, this is hang actually a the cardboard convention. sign on the door. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it it takes some money to put on an event this cool. That fifty three hundred. Minus, uh, you know, Kickstarter's cut and Amazon's cut and all that stuff of the uh, Kickstarter proceeds will do it. Good. And, and that's, uh, again, even, even that low figure is due to the generosity of some people that bought, uh, VIG packages that we put out there before we started the Kickstarter to, uh, get involved early. Right. And, you know, and we got some cool stretch goals in there, but Mikey Mason at only $7,200, I think that's really doable. That's pretty good. And he's an amazing entertainer, and we have, uh, you know, we have links to his website and stuff. I bet you can talk him into GMing a game or two for some people too. He said he'll do. So he said he'd run some games. See you there. Um, so I actually recorded an interview with him. I'm going to play. I think later this week. I'm going to finally put it out there. Nice. So it'd be uh, fun to fun. It was fun to talk to him. Anything else you want to put out here about this Kickstarter? Uh, I just, uh, you know, again, want to encourage people to at least uh, look into it and and spread the word. I mean, that's that's the thing that's been helping out the most, I think, is people that have been willing to just kind of share share the Kickstarter link and information. We have a, a Facebook community that's pretty active. If you're on Facebook, check out the TsunamiCon. It's at uh, facebook.com slash TsunamiCon Wichita. And, uh, you know, get on there and like the page, and that way you get our updates and have something to share around to your to your friends, your gamer friends. And particularly, even if you're not in the Midwest, if you know people who are. Right. You know, it's getting the word out is the most important, the biggest challenge in a lot of ways, the biggest hurdle. And I I just want to make sure that we get the opportunity to put this con together so that we can make it bigger and better next year and uh, continue to expand our reach. Other places to find it are prismatictsunami.com and uh, tsunamicon.org. Tsunamicon.org, yeah. Okay. Uh, Obviously, Kickstarter, TsunamiCon. Tsunamicon.org slash Kickstarter is the quickest, easiest way to get okay. to if you If you really can't get a hold of him, if he falls into a black hole or the internet in Wichita goes out, you can contact me. I'll get him, I'll get him your message. <laughs> you, 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 think, you think so? I, I you will. you sure you want that responsibility? I'll do it. I'll get on a horse. <laughs> I'll, 
And we've got, uh, you know, we've got a lot of cool uh, packages on there that I'm, I'm fond of, too, for, like, you know, save money. If, if you're going to be, if you want to be a volunteer, so put in a little time, you can get a cheaper ticket. If you get, if you want to GM, you know, games, to run, run gaming events. Volunteer stuff, yeah. Yeah, we've got, you know, we got tickets for that at a discount. We still have some other, you know, uh, like early bird tickets that haven't sold yet. And, you know, people have been really kind of peppering the various reward levels pretty good. Some of the major sponsors that are going to be there, if you if you uh, want to meet them in person and check out some of what they have to offer this year that's brand new, it'll be like Steve Jackson Games, um, Reaper Miniatures is going to be there. Nice. A uh, group called DGS Games out of Kansas City is going to be down with their their product, their free blades. Well, uh, so you're making product. a splash. I'm I'm pretty excited. Yeah, pretty good. So, all right, well, um, Eric, let's uh, see what we can do to help make that happen. But for now, we're going to take a quick break and come back and talk about gaming with kids. Okay. Welcome back. I love children. <laughs> All right, so uh, this is actually the first time we've collaborated on an actual topic during the two years we've <laughs> we've known each other. More than two years. I think we I, had to step step outside the typical box a little bit. Huh? Yes, I, I did a, a silly little tongue in cheek thing with you where I was talking about shooting players with rubber band guns mm. and such which was fun oh was that supposed to be comedy oh <laughs> but uh other but than that we players have... are listening that's kind of <laughs> embarrassing <laughs> other than that we haven't actually sat down and had a conversation so uh, a good one one that i can't necessarily have with my normal guys um being that they don't have any children yeah they're losers like that mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm sure that they're somewhere around a microphone saying the same thing about us yeah, come to think of it, knowing your team, I think so. They yeah, probably are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you you, get, you got a couple kids. I do. Uh, mine are on different ends of the spectrum. One is nineteen, and one is five. Okay. Uh, the nineteen-year-old plays in your your games pretty regularly. Yes, she does. Have you started mm-hmm. anything with the five-year-old? No, I haven't. <laughs> it scares me just a little bit. He's he's five. Yeah, and you know I I've got friends who have kids about the same age, uh, gamer friends who have started kind of, not necessarily so much getting them into gaming, but looking for ways to start introducing concepts that right. are similar. You know, my my buddy Justin, one of my online players, uh, has a six year old who last year he started kind of. They would get out the, the, the toys with the Star, the Star Wars figures and stuff and whatever else he was fighting with them because, of course, kids are never bound by little conventions like right. the Rebellion and the Empire. Right. And, uh, you know, he started introducing, like, a dice mechanic to determine. <laughs> well, that's almost exactly <laughs> what I did, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so this makes sense to you. I, I'm, with, with Gabriel, I'm, I'm still at that stage where I imagine doing this and I just think that it's going to get about two die rolls in and he's going to determine what the dice is doing in the battle. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I am not, I'm not sure, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I don't mean that I'm scared to play with my child, just that, uh, I, at some level, there's this kind of block, I think, in my head that's all, I just don't want to be disappointed. <laughs> well, what, how do I keep control of this situation? I've got four stepchildren, and the two youngest, uh, I was there essentially from the beginning. Uh, they were negative one. They were, yeah, they were zero and, little, and one. Nothing. And yeah. um, I decided pretty early on that gaming was going to be a pretty serious cornerstone with our family. Um, and so when they were young, they would be playing with their cars or whatnot. And the first thing that I'd do was, was step in. I'd sit down and play with them, play with their cars. And 
we named all the cars and everything, and then we started uh, having little tournaments where they would crash them together, and whichever one flipped over lost the battle, essentially. <laughs> yeah. And I taught them the basic concepts of a bracket. Now, you know, my brother and I did that when we were kids, yeah, too, I but too. I don't... I don't think it was overly organized. <laughs> well, I organized it, and they were happy with it, and uh, we did that. And then um, the, one of the next steps that I took was they would be playing with G.I. Joes or, or whatever. We'd break out all the, the little girl. We got one girl, one boy. Actually, I got three boys and one girl. And But the, at the time, the two really young ones were one of the boys and the, the, the girl. We'd break out the dollhouses and the Barbie Jeep and all this other stuff, and then we'd all pick teams for our G.I. Joes. Um, and there would be an attacking force and a defending force. So somebody, you know, we'd lay our guys around, whatever we we're going to do. And then, uh, we started playing. I let, uh, I, t- I showed them how to let the dice decide who won the fight and then they got to act it out. So then later on, a little bit later on, we started adding like plus ones and plus twos to their favorite guys. Oh, nice. So their favorite G.I. Joe's got a plus one or a plus two and in the battle and that made them win more often than they were pretty hyped about it. Now, looking back, don't you wish you'd thought of the advantage mechanic? Oh, my God, yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> Although math is good. Yeah. Ma- you know, especially for kids, yeah, math is good. Well. And yeah. we had these ludicrous large foam dice and stuff. It was pretty fun. Um, so then, as we moved up through the years, we did this stuff. I broke out an old game that I had still out at my mom's house. I went out to my mom's house and pulled it out of the closet. And it was... Uh, <laughs> Oh, what the hell was the name of that game? It's an old uh, Dungeons and Dragons project product. It was a board game. It was uh, Dragon Strike. Dragon. That's that's not that old. Um, how how? Well, let me think here. Eh, I'm not sure when it came out, but it was old already when I pulled out, pulled it out with the kids. There was Dungeon. Maybe it was the board game Dungeon was an old one. I think it was Dragon Strike. I, don't, I didn't think there was a dragon strike that. Anyway. Let me see here. Give me just a second. Oh, and we go to the internet. And we're to the internet. We've already lost. <laughs> um, was there originally a dragon nine, strike? 1993 board game. Dragon strike. Okay. See, to me, that doesn't... You're not that much younger than me, Dan. Well, you're a little, <laughs> you're an old geezer, so... Come on. <laughs> Jeez. Um, okay. Yeah, I remember Dragon Strike. I, I, the problem is, I remember when it came out. Yeah, <laughs> I remember That's being excited it. about it. <laughs> That's probably it. It had a videotape and everything. It was the stupidest video ever. So we oh, yeah. busted out. Uh, we busted out Dragon Strike, and they absolutely loved it. And, and it was basically like a, a hopped up version of like Hero Quest at the time, as I recall. Essentially, yeah. And it was uh, it was Dungeons and Dragons uh, official stuff. Yeah. So that was the hook. I, I I got them. <laughs> nice. <laughs> they were hooked. They wanted to play it all the time. And then shortly thereafter, and this is once they've hit their you know, 12, 13 years old now, shortly thereafter, I taught them how to play uh, my homebrew of Dungeons & Dragons at the time. Uh, so that was the, the scope. So how how old would you say when you got them actually started playing D&D? Um, I think I started, uh, I think I taught them to play D&D 11, 12. Okay, somewhere so, in there. You were making me feel like maybe I had, you know, gotten near into it a little late or something, but that's no, about right. I mean, I personally started playing around with it when I was like eight or nine. Me too. But uh, it's a little bit of a different situation, you know. The, the, the kids today have more distractions. Well, and when I was when I was eight, I was uh, 
hanging out with uh you know an older kid who just basically was desperate to do something yeah with his D&D stuff and didn't have enough friends cuz he was kind of he was like he was like my friend's mean older brother it's kind of the same and, situation with me i had a couple of brothers that lived next door to me um and they were playing D&D and needed some more guys so yeah so i mean that that was it and, and i mean obviously that that version of of D&D when you're 8 or 9 years old is <laughs> yeah yeah okay well, no, you, you know, I'm I'm an elven warrior. I'm going to jump out the window and I'm going to attack the dragon. <laughs> <laughs> right, and that's the highlight of your day, man. <laughs> right, hanging from the chandelier. And doing it's great, and, you know, and you, you obviously your imagination is is the limit when you're young and don't have any kind of sense of uh, spatial relations or <laughs> right physics. <laughs> yeah, things like that. <laughs> you know, they just aren't important. Right. Uh, you know, and that's changed in my game a little over the years, I guess. I think um, I think the most important thing, I, I mean, I guess we started talking about gaming with kids, and then I told you my kids' gaming history. Um, but I think for the really young kids, it's just figure out what they're doing already, and then challenge them to take it elsewhere or find a different way to, uh, find a slightly different way to spin, a, to apply a mechanic. Well... I mean, even like I said, I mean, Gabriel's five. He's not really, you know, he's not connecting to the idea yet, but he does live in a household where he's surrounded by it all the time. Yeah, I'm sure he'll figure it you out. You know, he's already very interested in the tools of the trade. Ironically, since I don't use a lot of, um, I, I don't use a lot of maps and minis because yeah. my games are very theater of the mind. I do occasionally pull them out. However, I have miniatures. I have uh, maps all print up and put together for big battle scenes and stuff. And he just, he, those are toys. Right. You know, he looks at that and he gets excited. I even got to the point where after I've used a map that I know I'm not going to use again, I'll go ahead and hand it to him and he takes it and does all kinds of play in with it. Nice. Uh, when I first so, taught, yeah. uh, taught my kids to play, they loved the minis. And I've got a ludicrous collection of minis. I just, yeah, I, I wouldn't say ludicrous. I, minis probably. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I just don't, I just don't use them enough. But I did kind of go through a phase a few years ago when I had a little bit of disposable income. Uh, God, it's hard to remember those days. And uh, <laughs> started kind of buying up lots. I'd get on eBay and I'd buy up lots of minis that fitted precisely kind of what I was looking for yeah, at the time. Too. So I've got like large bands of like humanoids and right. <laughs> undead and stuff right. like that, you know. But the current campaign, I'm st- I still play with my with my kids actually. Yeah, that's uh, that's I think the exciting part. And, uh, I mean, I still like it, like you pointed out, Nira's in my game, and I got to get her involved in the game when she was about, I think she was maybe 12 or 13 when she really started gaming with us, because right. we were taking it pretty seriously. But she'd been interested in for a year or two before she got around to playing. Huh. You know, it was more of a sit around and watch, and she's very, she's just shy enough and cautious enough about where, she, you know, putting herself out there that she wasn't ready to jump on board. And when she was a kid, she had a lot of nightmares. Oh. You know, real night terrors and stuff, and that kind of bled over into her early, you know, teen years enough that she still, even to this day, doesn't like the dark. Wow. You know, isn't comfortable. She's nineteen now, and I'm not even. I'm not trying to sound critical or anything. I mean, it's just one of those things. She was just one of those kids that had real issues, yeah. 
And uh, at that, at, during the, that period, she couldn't watch scary movies or anything like that without having bad dreams. And my games tend to like it or not. I have a bad Slip horror problem, <laughs> and I, I don't intend it. I just I just love the tension and the experience and sharing that with my players. And although there was a period, of course, especially when she first got heavily involved, that I made a, a concerted effort to move away from that. By the time she got into it. She was kind of preparing herself for that too, right? And I'd, I'd ask her questions like off the, uh, you know, I thought I was about to say off the mic, <laughs> off the record. I'd ask her questions like how how she handles that when you're dealing with scary monsters and stuff. And she says, "Well, you know, it's my imagination. I can picture them however I want." You know, so you you're may- talking about this horrible <laughs> man-eating <laughs> exactly. beast, and she's picturing a pink dragon. Yeah, like you a, know, or a, you know, a big big bunny rabbit uh, or something. Teddy bear. It's just she makes them silly. That's you funny. know. We got scary, goopy zombies, and she's got silly, goopy zombies. You know, it's, it's just her version of dealing with it. And I don't know if she's still like that to this day or not, but it wouldn't surprise me any. <laughs> but she got, I mean, you know, we, we've since we are very immersive and very, you know, focused on the bringing the world of the game to life and all this stuff, she's grown into that and become very much a part of it, an active part of it. And, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I do see echoes of the fact that I think her entire week revolves around game night. You know, there. that's all she wants is just to get to get to the next game night. And at some level, I mean, that's that's exciting. You know, you remember what that feels like. Yeah. When you don't have a lot, you don't have kids, you don't have a real job, you don't have responsibilities in life. Yep. Uh, on the other hand, it's I, I look back and I think there are times I wish I hadn't been that guy. Yeah. Am I am I doing a disservice to my daughter here? But she's nineteen. Fuck it. <laughs> I'm sorry. She's a grown woman now. Yeah. Um. I sorry, we're not a, we're not on my podcast. I probably better watch my language. Oh yeah, <laughs> I don't no, want you're fine. Mario coins popping out of my mouth. I haven't put the Mario coins in for a while. I loosened the <laughs> reins up a bit. So, for my kids, I've been kind of fiddling with uh, different types of gaming experiences. Uh, when we first started, we played uh, a, a super fun, very tropey. Um, tropes just dripping and falling off the table. Oh yeah, D and D, fantasy essentially campaign, and uh, we've since went through a, a very serious campaign, a very dark campaign, all with different characters and different uh, things. And right now we're playing a very cinematic. We're playing a Savage Ghostbusters campaign. Um, oh, Go- Ghostbusters International. We got a, a St. Louis. The St. Louis headquarters of Ghostbusters, which is just right around the corner from us, essentially. So very cool. They're playing Ghostbusters in our own backyard. So I got some. Remind me, I got some prop stuff you might enjoy that would be useful for that one. Awesome. Send it my way. Yeah, I'll do that. Um, and this we're doing with no minis. We're doing it complete. Uh, you know, theater of the mind. Uh, focuses on scenes and comedy. So the jokes that are getting cracked at the table, you know, that type of thing. Everything is detrimental to a very serious or horror game is exactly what we're doing here. Yeah, I, I mean, you're, Ghostbusters is a Scooby-Doo horror. Yes, absolutely. You know, it's, it's very much mixing horror with camp, and then that's great because you have the ability to still build tension where you want it, mm-hmm. but you know that it's going to get relieved in a useful, funneled way, you right. know? So we're working, I'm working with them with uh, concepts of uh, scene setting, opening and closing, so on and so forth, how to determine what's, what needs to happen for a scene, and another cool thing was this is actually the first their first modern campaign, their first modern day campaign. So I'll throw in a couple of bones here and there. We can use Google Maps to find out where this place is going to be. Their headquarters, air quotes, 
uh, is an old retired uh, firehouse in St. Louis that actually exists. I say, and you guys are, I mean, you're, you're talking about your backyard. Yeah, so absolutely. That creates context. What this also does is I found a utility. I figured out how to send emails to cell phones as a text. Uh, at, you know, essentially as a utility, I figured out how to do that. So they're, they're receiving uh, texts from Ghostbusters International in-game. So now I have also incorporated their biggest distraction into the game. Hmm. Which uh, has been working really well as well. So are you sending the text during the game? Yeah, I can send the text right during the game straight from my computer. I'm a laptop GM. So. Ah. I say that's the way that that's the way to do it. Then I was going to say because pulling out your cell phone to do it yourself would seem a little nope counterintuitive at that yep. point. But if I you can do, do that right from my laptop, that's that's better than even having a, having somebody off site do it. You know, mm-hmm. and if there's uh, specific things, uh, plot points, plot devices, stuff like that that I want to get them, I can have them preset on a on a word pad or something and just copy and paste and send the email. So you know that's a that's a pretty neat thing. I can do it with a couple of clicks. So they may not even necessarily know that I'm sending a message until it happens. I can use this. They can text back to me, and it comes to me in the form of emails, so I don't. I can look at it right on my screen. Uh, That's cool. I, I think that one of the biggest challenges we can face at our age is, um, well, okay, this is probably less so at our age than, say, when the, the generation gap between, say, us and our parents. Yeah. But uh, because we have a lot of this technology and stuff in common with our kids now, whereas... When it started coming out and the younger generations were getting into it, the parents weren't necessarily. Right. So even though I do remember when my grandparents finally got a computer in their house, they still didn't know how the hell to use it. Right. Well, this is a little different. I mean, I still, my mom, she tries to figure out Skype and uh, stuff like that. And I mean, it's it's a little bit of a challenge for her at times. But with your kids, you, you still worry about that kind of generation gap and whether or not you'll be able to interest them in a way that engages their lifestyle. Absolutely. Their perspective. And uh, so, I mean, that that's brilliant. I mean, stuff. It, it would be the equivalent of someone trying to take me out back and play hopscotch. You know. Right. <laughs> not really my thing, you know. Uh, kind of an extreme metaphor. Yeah, well. that's. Then again, I don't know if what, I'd survive around a hopscotch. Honestly, seriously, before maybe, maybe one generation for us, kids didn't have anything to do. Kids were playing with rocks. Right. Yeah, all <laughs> that know? all that kick the can stuff our yeah. parents supposedly did in their childhood that's hard to imagine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean and I can't see, you know, the technological advances from hundreds of years <laughs> before that to where my kid went, to where my mom was, you know, throwing a rock down the street at for fun. I can't see there being a whole lot of technological advances between the seventeen hundreds and then. I mean No, I, I think probably rocks. the the biggest advance is that um, leisure time became more of a thing. Yeah, I guess so. You know, kids kids having the time time to play during the day probably became more of a thing in the in the 20th century than before. But even then, I mean, I, I I've got no context for that. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, me neither. And now we, I mean, it's pretty. If you think about it, it's pretty painfully obvious why the 60s was drug riddled. <laughs> <laughs> These kids grew up in a world where there was nothing else to do. You got to be a teenager. You had to make some choices about your life. And one of those more fun choices was get the hell away from it. Yeah, yeah. We just have role-playing games. They didn't have those. Well, I'm pretty happy that uh, this specific hobby has been able to hold my family around a table. I mean, any given session, you've got my, my, my brother-in-law comes over and plays as well. And he's one of my old DMs. And he's nice. 28. 
I'm 35. I got a 15-year-old, a 17-year-old, a couple of 19-year-olds, a 28-year-old, and a 35-year-old all sitting around the table for hours on end. I cannot think of another hobby where that happens and everyone is actually having fun. It helps that you have a big enough family that you've got an actual gaming group yeah, in yeah. the house. And and the weird thing to me, and, and I do mean weird, if you think about it, is that they're all gamers. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't force it on anybody. Like I said before, you know, family game night is important. And I, I don't have a whole lot of off time. But I might have a couple of nights a week where I'm home with the kids or I'm home with the family. And almost... Every time we're going to play some sort of a game, whether it's a throwaway board game or some silly little party game or something, or Mario Kart or whatever, it's family time. And that's, you right. know, we spend a lot of time interacting with each other over or around a game board or the game room. Well, my wife, Jonica, and her daughter have been best friends for life. Yeah. You know, they, Nira grew up very interested in the things her mom was into. And, um, I, I mean, she's my daughter. I adopted her when she was a teenager after we got married, but, uh, I didn't meet her until she was 10. Hmm. So, you know, I missed out on the childhood years. And of course, I brought with me all the gaming stuff that her mom had been into years and years before, but right. Nira had been too young to be a part of or remember anything about. So that's how that happened for her was all this suddenly showing up in the middle of her life and her being exposed to it. But, she was already into the fantasy stuff, like her mom's sci-fi stuff, and it, it, she, you know, she she loves a lot of the same fiction and movies and all this stuff. It wasn't really a, a big stretch. Yeah. You know, the the biggest the the biggest challenge is probably fi- finding ways to hold the attention of a, a prepubescent girl, <laughs> right? In this situation, but she didn't have a you know she was a shy enough kid. She didn't have a lot of other friends. Her mom was her best friend. They spent and still could if they if they had more time to do it. Spent a lot of their time sitting around playing video games together. Nice. You know, that was their, that was their thing. So when it came around to, oh, we're going to have a kid, you know, what's he going to be like? And you always ask yourself all those questions, you know, what if he isn't the kind of person that we'd like him to be? You know, what if he doesn't have the same interests that we have? What if we can't relate to him? Well, you know, I mean, how do you end up with four kids that are gamers? I guess is what I'm asking. That's just, I I didn't force it on anybody. I mean, you I said that. I didn't really I, I, force I, it on anybody, and they, I guess, I don't know. I, I don't really know. I mean, I hear what you're saying, but I figure, you know, worst case scenario, kids are going to get to a certain age, and they're going to they're going to rebel in one form or another. If we're already sitting around the basement table, you know, playing RPGs and whatnot, if my youngest son is going to rebel, he's going to go try out for the football team. Right. You know. Okay. Deal. <laughs> no, 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 not a, that worries me. Um, I actually, uh, uh, that, that of course is our, is our, you know, nightmare because, it, you know, that our son would get into things that we will fully and absolutely support. Absolutely. That are not things that we connect to at all. <laughs> yeah. But, and, and you know, I mean, you're, you nailed it right there. I mean, you worry about kids getting to a point where they rebel against their parents. What if they're into the things that you're into and rebel? Then you, you have to deal with them pulling away, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess. If they're into the things that you're into and rebel, then they're going to hopefully find other friends that are into the same thing and right. just do it not with you. And I, I mean, obviously the, uh, you know, the and maybe maybe the rebellion is I'm going to go play Star Trek rather than uh, right. Fan, and what do you think? Stuff. What do you think the odds are that your kids are going to go on to be lifelong gamers? I mean, um, I would say the youngest two, 
I'd, I'd give them 75, 80, 90 percent. Really? You think so? That. Yeah. I tell you what, I, th- I think a lot of it depends on is whether or not they find other people that are into it and have satisfactory experiences with it. Yeah, I agree with that. If they but... only ever have good gaming experiences at your table and they don't stay in your life in the same way. I have built into my campaigns, every campaign that we I run with them, I build in the possibility of people cycling in and out. So sure. if they have a friend over on Friday oh, yeah. night, we can still yeah. play. Uh, so at the same time that I've been having my game group, you know, they've been running a revolving door of friends through the through the game as well. Uh, at least they're brave enough to do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nira, hey. Nira, the first couple of years she was gaming, wouldn't admit it to her friends. Hey, you know what? I'm awesome. <laughs> so they love our me. friend, uh, our friend, uh, friends Sean and Liz. They have, uh, you know, they're they're hardcore. They're our business partners in the TsunamiCon thing, and yeah. They're, they're hardcore gamers and they have a, a girl who's, I think she's maybe turned 12 now. Uh, and she's been to our game day events and has sat in on the games. So she's been very excited about stuff, but I know that she's like that. She doesn't admit to her friends that she's gaming, you know, when it's, yeah, kinda, I gotta be home for game night. It's, I, hat, she tells man. something else. Well, you know what? I, you I the just, same thing when thought, you were a kid, I'm sure. I kind of thought, I, you know what I think it is though? I don't think it's the geekiness of, and by the way, you're wrong. Oh. When I was a kid, I didn't care. <laughs> you owned it. <laughs> I did but, too. but that's okay. That's the people I wanted around me was the people yeah. that, that were good with that. Yeah. Um, but no, she, uh, she, she's, I, I think it's even less nowadays. Like when Nira was in school, she was afraid that they'd make fun of her or, you know, wouldn't get it. And she'd have to try to figure out how to explain it or blah, blah, blah. I think with, um, with, uh, Liz's daughter, Joey, it's more about, trying to explain why she wants to go home and hang out with her parents. You know what? I, I was going to say one one more thing. I'll throw one more thing out there. Um, I think you also have to make sure that the kids understand that the gaming table is a safe place. Oh, sure. That they need they, to be, and this is kind of the same with adults as well, people who have in, inhibitions and whatnot. You have to understand that if they say, you know, they have to understand that if they say something in character, they're not going to be punished for it out of character or something like that. Right. Or, um, you know, that it's that it is an experimental exercise that you're 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 kind of going through in your own head just as much as with everyone else. My and, parents were cool enough that they sat at my gaming table when I was in high school. And yeah, and one of the uh, one of the reasons for that, my mom told me years later, is because if she was hanging out with me and my friends at around our table in our dining room. On a Saturday night, she knew where I was and what I was doing. I have uh, two instances of that. Um, number one, my mom, I was around for the whole uh, BEAD, bothered about Dungeons and Dragons thing. Right. I was around for whole, all of that. And m- my mom took a look at what was going on one time. She said, okay, I want to see what this stuff is about. <laughs> one time. And she opened the book. She flipped. She flipped through it all. And she said, I don't remember exactly how she said it, but basically... The, my response could be to, you know, well, my mom says you worship the devil. My response could be, well, my mom says your mom is stupid. You know, <laughs> that, that conversation could happen pretty regularly. Uh, so we had, uh, I had the safe place at home for that. But then as I got up in my, my later teen years, um, and I kind of distance away from, distance myself away from home, I had another home, a buddy whose dad was super cool. He had like a split level house. Our house was at the bottom. Sure. Uh, we had the bottom level. And he always said, you know, if you guys are here at home, you know, here, I, I know where you are. You know, you're safe. Right. And so that was pretty awesome, too. Yeah, uh, not out getting into trouble, not yeah. 
not doing any drugs I don't know about, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Eric, it's been fun. I hate to cut it short, but I've got to go to work just like usual. Awesome. So, um, you, you have any parting thoughts for uh, gaming with children? Gaming with children. I think it is worth, absolutely worth trying to get your kids um, exposed to it as early as you're comfortable with and uh, make it something that they always feel like they can, uh, like it's accessible. Because if it's important to you, it's going to have the potential to be important to them, and they're going to want to at least be able to connect to it. All right, I'm going to leave you with this one. Even if you don't want to start playing RPGs with your kids, go play a game with your children. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't have any children of my own. I have four stepchildren, and game time with my kids has been, is almost always some of the best parts of any day. Um, my son is super into Parcheesi and sorry right now. So, dude, you're there. He you've gets got it. him. You show. You start showing him some mechanics from from other board games. You've got him. Mind <laughs> you, the Parcheesi still has the little animal figures, and he tries to do other things with them That's sometimes. Right. But you know, <laughs> what can you do? Swap them out for for for, for goblins. <laughs> nice. I like that. I got minis. <laughs> Hadn't thought about it. All right, Eric. Thanks a lot. Um, everyone be sure to check out, uh, the, the Kickstarter that we were talking about before. You can hit Eric up at tsunamicon.org slash Kickstarter or, uh, tsunamicon.org <laughs> or <laughs> you can find us at prismatictsunami.com or if you want to contact Eric directly, feedback at prismatictsunami.com. <laughs> Funny, I feel like I've said that before. <laughs> yeah, come come listen to us too, Metagamers Anonymous. Metagamers we Anonymous. We've uh, we've been in this together for a long time. Uh, they they've kind of left me in the dust. I was <laughs> and check <laughs> out my blog on carpegm.net. Oh yeah, it's a good site. Check it out. I'm the only one who's been blogging lately. <laughs> the only one who's been doing anything. Although I did just release our uh, Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition first impressions. So. Well, if they're listening to this, you've also just released this <laughs> and this. <laughs> good call. Thanks for coming out. <laughs> this is <laughs> can't even hold it together. All it's right, okay. now, Eric. Uh, at the we end every episode with support the hobby, support the industry, and support your local game store. And then I ask whoever I may be interviewing or talking to to support something that isn't necessarily their own work. Man, would you happen to have anything that you'd like to support? Support BobCon. All right. BobCon What's 2014 Bob is happening in Kansas City, and it's the opposite of what we're doing in a lot of ways. It's a little more private gaming event. He's already raised the money on Kickstarter, but he's got a little bit of time left. Check it out. I think it's fun to be able to showcase, at the very least, that people can do anything if they're willing to put the work into it and make make some kind of funding happen. People are willing to put the money forward to uh, create gaming events in their community. And so, support BobCon. Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Eric. Thank you. Thanks for listening. This has been the Carpe GM interview series. Have a good night. The Carpe GM interview series is produced in affiliation with the Carpe GM game cast. All copyrights, feed information, and shortcomings are shared by both shows. Find out more at carpegm.net.